Well, what a week. Many challenges, certainly many more to come. If there's any ways that we can serve you, whether it's a pickup crew or, uh, or anything like that, or boiling water, getting it dropped over to you, uh, any kind of needs that you have, let us know so that we can continue to do so. So proud of our church family in this season. Uh, just a number of opportunities that come with any hardship. They stir us up to act. They stir us up to show affection. When a loved one grieves, we grieve. We're stirred up to grief. When a loved one celebrates and has joy, we're moved and stirred up to great joy. And so we want to be able to serve you the best we can. Students, I want to remind you that tonight, uh, 6 to 9 in Henderson Hall, as it's been opened uh, for several in our community this week, uh, our college students, as you're getting back into the groove of things uh, from 6 to 9 tonight, Pastor Roman will be uh, there for a time of, uh, of hanging out and studying because, of course, you are just so focused on studying for your classes this week. I'm sure that's all that's going to be taking place over there. No, it's a great way to be able to connect together uh, as well as, as kind of get back in the right mindset as you come back into your classes it's a beautiful thing to have seen a little bit of the hardship of what we saw this week, hasn't it? There's still many members without water and electricity, of course, and many of our own community hurting in several ways, but we were stirred up to, to hurt for them. Those that were able to drive around were stirred up to be able to run errands for people, uh, stirred up to be able to, to boil water, bring it over for people, to have uh, fresh drinking water, so many different ways to be stirred up to action. Uh, Peter, in this second letter, writes to a body in which he is longing for the believers to be so, so stirred up in their affections for Christ, so stirred up in their affections for the body of Christ, and, and so stirred up in anchoring down into the Word of God, that when the scoffers come, and he tells them they will come, when the scoffers of the gospel, when the scoffers of the claims of who Christ is, this, the eternal Son of God has come and taken on flesh and dwelt among them, the news of this one who would defeat death and raise again and ascend to heaven. This one who actually cares and how we live and, and, and desires us to be uh, flourishing and, and fruitful in our lives and forgiven. That they would mock at the idea of his return. That they would scoff at the idea of that he actually cares and desires for us to live accountable for his glory. To flourish. To be fruitful and multiply. And so they scoff in this way, but the desire of Peter is that the church would be so stirred up by the Word, and that's why he writes these letters, that when the scoffers come in, that they would be so ineffective because the believers are so stirred in their affections for the Lord that, that there is no ability to lead them off. And so we find when incidents happen, whether it's a storm of life or, or, or difficult news or difficult season, that those opportunities will, will do one of two things for us. We'll either be stirred up to act in the flesh or we'll be stirred up to act as the Lord desires us to act. Stirred up. We're all stirred up, but how specifically are we to be, to be stirred up? I argue this morning, beloved, from these three verses that the body of Christ, we are at our healthiest when we act as a Scripture-soaked people. We are at our healthiest when we act as a Scripture-soaked people. Now, as you look at your bulletin, you see a larger handout in there. We're going to walk through this together, and, and your normal note-taking section is blank if you'd like to fill out any additional notes. It's a little bit of a training time today as well as we go into a little bit more depth on these. So uh, the beauty of any gathering on a Sunday morning, there's some that have been walking with Christ for, for decades and decades, abiding in the Lord and, and resting and understanding who Scripture says that they are as the beloved. We have this reminder again from the very beginning. 
But some who gather with us are, are very new in the faith, and, and, and they've not yet established those healthy consistencies and rhythms of what it means to, to walk in the way of the Lord and be reminded of who they actually are rather than what the world or their flesh has told them that they are. So let's begin as we note first. What's it mean to act? What's it mean to look like a, a healthy body? We see first that it means to actively be consuming God's Word. We are at our healthiest when we are actively consuming God's Word. He begins in verse 1, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you. And again, beloved, a reminder of exactly who the body of Christ is. The beloved of God. The beloved of God. So much in our life, we, we like to think of ourselves, we are what we do. But the bride of Christ is reminded that we are who we are because of what the Lord has done. His great grace and abundant mercy He has lavished upon us. The kindness of our God marks us as the beloved of God. It changes how we process all of life. Now we're to be a people that are actively consuming this word. Peter says, the second letter that I am writing to you. The, the letters, the scriptures, and the way that they function for the life of the beloved is not to be received with a negotiation across the table. Peter was not sliding this across to the, the believers to receive it and then say, okay, I like this part. I don't like this part. Let me slide it back over and see if you can send me something else that I like. This negotiation process back and forth. That's not how the Scriptures are received. This is the beloved of God, the bride of Christ. And Christ is making appeal to His people by the, the writings of the apostles and the prophets in the person of Christ who since resurrected and ascended to heaven where He intercedes for us. And He will come again one day. And we look forward to that day of His coming. But the beloved are stirred in their affections by the Word of God. We're to be receiving it and taking it in. So these two letters that are given are, are given for the bride of Christ to be nourished, to consume them. They're to be received and they're to be passed on. Not to be shelved somewhere, but they're to be consumed. The receiving of these letters is, is to be an accountable for the Word of God. That's what we see in the book of Romans. How are they going to respond if they don't hear? That there is by nature, the very nature of the Scripture, the very nature of the authoritative Word of God, we're to, we're to hear it, we're to receive it, we're to pass it on. And this is what we do. It transforms our hearts, transforms our minds, and, and then we pass it on. We act in it, but first we need to actively consume it. But just as the body of Christ would have received this letter from Peter as the grand and final authority for their lives. They would have rested in it. They would have meditated on it. They would have heard it read. So what are some practical ways that we can be actively consuming the Word of God? This is not an exhaustive list, but here's six that you might consider, very practically speaking, intentionally building into your weekly and monthly rhythms of your life consistently. What's it mean to, to, to actively be consuming God's Word? Well, here's a, a number of opportunities that, that you've likely thought of, but perhaps you haven't. Or maybe you, you have thought of, but you've not been consistent in those things. So let today renew our affections for actively consuming God's Word. So the first way that we put down here is to, to listen to Scripture. The ability to listen to Scripture. When this was received, everybody didn't get a copy of this letter in the congregation. It would have been read for the body that gathered. It would have been read for them. They would have heard it and listened to it. And soaked it in. Perhaps read multi a multitude of times. But it would have been soaked in. Discussed. Applied. Of course, many of these applications are very, very specific. 
for them, but the applications also apply to us. It's to be actively consumed. So in our cultures, we think of how to listen to God's Word. You can use, there's lots of, with our technology today, there's lots of great apps to use. You can, you can download uh, this Uversion app if you haven't done so already. It's a free app on your Bible, uh, on your computer. It's not on your Bible. Uh, it's a Bible app that you can download on your phone, and it's free. It's pretty amazing. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty unbelievable app. But on there, if you just kind of play around for a little bit, you'll see a little audio speaker that you can hit, and most any translation on there, it will actually read it to you, which is really neat. And you can change the speed by which they talk. It's pretty incredible. If you want to spend a little money, that's the only one I could think of that was, that was really free, that, that's real dynamic. That's probably the most dynamic app you can download uh, that's free. Uh, but you can also download one called Dwell. This is a pretty common one, Dwell, but it costs a little bit of money. You can do some very basic things without purchasing it, but... You can purchase the app for like, you can download it for free, but then you got to purchase some things. So you can purchase a year subscription for like 30 bucks. But Dwell has music that goes with it. So, and you can also set it to replay the same chapter. And there's a dozen different voices or so on almost each passage that, that can be read. And you can just dwell on that one song again, that one psalm or, or whatever is being read again and again. So it's, it's, it's 30 bucks. But if, you, if you're wanting one to be able to download and listen to, uh, it's, a, it's a neat one to have, 30 bucks. And that's not that much money. If you need to help with that, you really want that, listen to it, let us know. Uh, uh, Roman will take care of you. He'll pay for it for you. Uh, he's excited about that. Uh, but uh, 30 bucks is not that much. I remember when I was in college, uh, we would have these things. A number of guys, you may judge me for this, but we would get together and watch Walker, Texas Ranger, uh, uh, like r- reruns of this. It, was, it wasn't our best life, okay? But we loved it. We would call it Walker Nights. We'd go play Ultimate Frisbee and then go get back in time to watch this doubleheader of Walker, Texas Ranger. And we would buy as much money as we could put in for Taco Bell. And one time we had a goal to say, what if we each put in 30 bucks and ate all the Taco Bell that we could come up with? That was a disaster. For $30, you can get more Taco Bell than you could ever dream of. But that's what we did. Long story to say, $30 goes a long way at Taco Bell. And $30 is worth your time if you want to buy this audio Bible app to be able to listen to. Okay, $30, not that much. I'm not a salesman for them or anything like that. But you can listen to Scripture. Soak it in this way. I'll never forget my, my, own, my own dad when we did a Through the Bible reading program. Uh, he was traveling a lot of times, about an hour and a half on a regular basis. <clears throat> and he downloaded one of these apps. And, uh, and it was some work to be able to help him figure out how to download it. But he downloaded it and he just was listening to the Bible, driving back and forth, much more of an auditory learner. And, and it was just so neat to see him listening, a man at that time in his early 70s, and, and listening to the Bible and, and hearing his excitement of being able to listen to it. So listen to God's Word. Where else do we listen to God's Word? Right here in the context of the church. We hear the Word read. We hear it expounded. When we start, it's our, it's our habit when we start new books. If they're smaller, we're going to start Jonah after this book. And what we'll do the very first Sunday is we'll just read it. We'll spend time just reading the book, sitting under it. It's a good habit to establish in your homes. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. But let's look at number two, reading Scripture. Reading Scripture. The idea here is to take a, take a, take a larger forest view. So we'll talk about studying Scripture, which is really looking at a leaf, getting a little bit more in-depth. But of God's Word, we're, we're telescoping out, we're zooming out, and we're looking at a bigger picture of a book. What are some big themes that are coming. So this is, this is not including like using a Bible handbook or a study Bible that, that can give us those overviews. This is just saying, if we're going to study, for example, the book of Jonah, let's just sit down and read the book of Jonah. 
The Gospels, for example. We can read most all Gospels in less time than it, uh, each Gospel in less time it takes to watch a Marvel movie. So you can sit down and just, just have a devotion of a time to build. I'm just going to read this one book straight through. It, it's it's an amazing way how that can impact us. There's Bibles that you can buy called Reader's Bibles, Reader's Edition Bibles that don't have the verse references that may distract you a little bit. Of course, the verse references aren't, they're not authoritative. Peter didn't write it in with the, with the verse references. Those were added five, 600 years ago or so to be able to help us find things more easily uh, for us. So, so be able to read Scripture. Just work through Scripture reading it. Third, hand copy Scripture book by book. Use a notebook. Buy a notebook. This is a, this is been a, a discipline for a long time. I've not done this one too often. Done it some, but not too often. But this is a discipline that many believers take, and, and they, they may buy fountain pens and really get into that, or just a pen, and they'll buy these little moleskin journals. Or you can buy a larger journal. It's your life. I use it to buy Taco Bell. You can use it to buy moleskins, and you can, you can buy this little journal and just say, you know what, I want to hand copy out this book, and just take time to be able to write it, and it slows us down to consider every word as we're writing it. I've heard of many believers, many parents, many grandparents that have taken the time to try to write out books of the Bible to be able to leave a handwritten copy uh, as, as a keepsake, not only the devotional purposes for their own life, but to be able to handwrite out the Scriptures as a, as a keepsake for their loved ones. What a great discipline to be able to have. So handwriting out a Scripture book by book into a notebook. Uh, number four, fast and, and pray the Scriptures. We've actually spent time on this before, discussing what's it look like, and we've modeled what's it look like to pray the Scriptures. Take some of the Psalms, whether it's a, a Psalm of Lament that follows this pattern of, of the psalmist articulating their, their pains to the Lord, and then praying, giving it to the Lord, and then praising God, trusting in His character and attributes. The Psalms, what a great encouragement to be able to spend some time in Psalms this week. Just read one verse at a time and then pray about it. Have your eyes open. Read the Scripture. Look at one verse at a time and, and pray to the Lord what comes to mind. Psalms isn't the only book that we can do that in, but it's a, it's a great gift from God. Whether it's a, a Psalm, Psalm 8, that's like a hymn of God that, that can naturally be sung and has been turned into songs. Whether it's a wisdom song like Psalm chapter 1 or others. Spend time in the Psalms. Pray the Scriptures to the Lord. Consult your doctor, but... Uh, not for that part, but consult your doctor if you're going to change your meals, if you're going to skip a couple of meals and choose to fast for a season and spend time praying the Scripture in that season. It's a beautiful way to cultivate humility in our hearts and lives. So, so make that a regular part of our, of our disciplines. Number five, study Scripture. So we discussed how reading the Scripture through can give us a, a discipline of, of being able to, to look at a, a larger forest view. So spending time studying Scripture. There are numerous different ways that you can look at the leaf in greater detail. There's observation, interpretation, application, OIA. That's been used a long time. There's the SOAP method, Scripture, observation, application, prayer. Uh, I, I just kind of modified that and made P-SOAPs. Uh, as a way to be able to study through Scripture. So I, would, I gave that to you in your notes, and we'll walk through it real quick. If you've not been in the habit of studying through a book of the Bible, this is a very practical, this is how, what, what I do in, in, in my time breaking down a text, but it's one you might consider adopting if you don't already have a natural rhythm of studying through God's Word, individually or as a, a family or a couple. And so here's what this looks like for me. Spend time, number one, praying. It would make sense to talk to the author before we dive into his word. Just as we do on Sunday mornings, we pray before we dive into his word. So in your own habits, spend time in prayer before you dive into his word. And what's that look like? There's lots of different acronyms out there for, for ways to pray. 
ACTS, A-C-T-S, is a great little acronym. stands for this, A, adore God for who He is. Praise God for His attributes. Praise God for who He is. Just spend a little bit of time adoring God. We see this in a, in a very real way, even when we have shortcomings that may have happened if somebody broke a promise to you or, or anything like that. That week, your, your heart might be tired or you see the frailties of man or the inability of man to follow through things, men or women to follow through with things. And it reminds us of the character and attributes of God who is perfectly faithful. He's unchanging. He's perfect in all His ways. And it leads us to just praise Him and adore Him. And what do we do when we look to God and we adore Him? Eventually, we, we see we spend time in confession because we realize our coming short in our life. We've been adopted by faith in Christ, but we realize our humanity and our sinfulness, our brokenness. And so confess that to God. Confess your sin to God in that time. Very much in how we have our time of our order of our service. As Pastor Stephen said, God, man, Christ, response. God, man, Christ, response. That's kind of how the model of that prayer acts sounds. Adoration. You look to God first. And then God, man, then we spend time in confession, realizing our, our need for Him and, and His grace that covers us and His mercy that's so rich. And so we spend time then confessing sin. And then where would we move? God, man, Christ. So A-C-T, T stands for thanksgiving. We thank God for what He's done. Different from adoration. Adoration says we praise God for who He is and His attributes. Thanksgiving says we praise God for what He has done for us. I don't know about you, but 2020 and 2021 have shown us a lot of components that in 2019 I was very uh, taking for granted. The ability like this to be in each other's physical presence. I took that for granted in 2019. I didn't know that I did until COVID hit. And how many of us have loved ones that you've not been able to see for some time or embrace? Or are those suffering that you can't go be in the room with them when they're in weakness. We're taking that for granted. And so thanking the Lord for His presence with us. That He doesn't leave us. He never forsakes us. He's provided for us. Or, or just the basics of, of water and, and shelter and warmth. And so we thank God for what He's provided for us. And then S is God, man, Christ response. S is supplications. Is, is giving to God, asking for needs to be met in our lives and desires and also needs for other people. We're interceding for other people. So begin that time in, in prayer and then read the Scripture. This kind of goes together with the idea of, of reading Scripture in a through-the-book type way. You've already read the Scripture through beforehand and now you're coming back around on this side. You've, now you're reading the Scripture. So as you read the Scripture, choosing just a chapter or a heading at a time perhaps, now you're going to make observations. Observations. There's lots of great resources out there on how to, how to be good Bible interpreters and studiers to make observations. So we're observing. Here's some key different kind of principles you can follow. Mark up your Bible. Don't be afraid to mark up your Bible. If you've got a Bible that's really special you don't want to mark up, get a different Bible. We'll help make sure you have a print Bible to be able to mark up. I think this is really important. Uh, I'm old school in this. But I think it's important to have a print Bible that you can be able to to write your thoughts on and mark up and mark in the margins. Lots of great Bibles out there. But mark up your Bible, uh, summarizing what's going on. Meaning, here's a very simple way to do so. Pretend that you have a, a, a movie that you're watching and somebody that you care about comes in halfway through. You want to watch that movie with them and you hit pause. What are the key details you want to tell them? You want to give them the plot. What's going on? Where's it taking place? Where's the drama seem to be stirring? 
with something that was said that kind of changed the game if they don't know it to this point. You're making those observations as you study the Scriptures, working through them. What would those things include? So, so write down what words have been repeated several times. Any kind of meaty word that comes up, you're thinking, that, that seems like an important word. It's, this is like the ninth time I've seen that word. Or it could just be a really meaty word you've, you've never heard that might be kind of Christianese. You know, what's this word talking about? Highlight it. Circle it so you can do a greater study on it. As you read through, if you have a question, put a little question mark by it so you can swing back around later and study it. If you're reading it and a, word, a verse just jumps out to you, the Spirit just jumps in you and convicts you or comforts you, highlight it. Put a little M beside it to work back and memorize when you're through the book or if you have a separate work that you want to write that down in. And a great interpretive question is to ask is, what's weird? What's weird? If you're, if you're, as you're studying the Bible, if you read something that just says, this seems weird to me, you might have uncovered a cultural component. A cultural component of a, a distinctive component that you can then go look in some commentaries or some other resources to, to get some more background information. Uh, and then is there anything, uh, before we look to adoration, is there anything that you've learned about the nature of God or the nature of man that you want to be sure and note? Here's why that's significant. We know the nature of man and we see uh, who God made us to be and we see our shortcomings. It leads us, starting from our perspective, to adore God. Because we're able to, we are those things. We are, we are holy in Christ. Christ, the, the perfect man. Right? The, the Adam's fallen, but Christ, the perfect Adam. It, it leads us to adore God. Is there anything you see about the attributes of God and His interactions in the Old Testament with Israel or with the, the pagan nations that, that, that stirs in your heart to adore Him? This is where the A comes in, the first A. Adoration. Adore God for who He is. Adore God for who He is. In Proverbs 5.15, David charges his kids, guarding them from adultery. And he gives them this charge in Proverbs 5.15 to, to drink of their own cisterns, of their own wells. Draw fresh water from your own well. If you don't, it spills over into the streets and then others come and lap it up. There's an application there of the married man and married woman to be pursuing one another. To be content and grateful for their spouse and to be watering each other and drinking of each other and pursuing one another for a strong bind. So that as wayward people come by, their, their attempts, they're nothing. Because they're, they're so full on each other. The application here for us when we think of adoring God is that we would so water our affections for the Lord that the scoffers that, that offer the baits that we've already looked at in the previous chapter would be so ineffective because our hearts are so full being content and drinking deeply of Christ and the Lord our God. So adore God. Spend time in your Bible studies celebrating and adoring the character of God. What captures your affections? If I was to ask you that question right now, what or who has most captured your affections today? Confess that to the Lord and then say, God, help me. I want to drink of you. I want my affections for you to, to grow today. So, so put a plan in place to do so. Notice these uh, adoring components of the Lord by His Word. And then it leads us to make applications. How's the Spirit leading me to, to think and live differently? 
What are the gold nuggets? Write them down into a little sentence. That's what we do in our sermons. So you'll notice how how we arrange our, our services. We hope that they bleed in how we handle Scripture. We work through books at a time. And we try to honor it in its context, understanding it, seeing how it fits into the bigger picture, gaining a greater affection, understanding it for, for the Lord, that His Word, it nourishes us, regardless of the many messages of the world. My God is faithful to nourish us. The Spirit, he, he drives things home in each of us. So we may come, it's not the idea that there's multiple different truths, it's not it, but the Holy Spirit convicts each of us as we sit under His Word, myself included, uh, as we come to His text on any given Sunday, or any given time in the text. The Spirit convicts us and shapes our applications. So smart applications, this is not original to me, it's been used for many years in many different fields. Be specific as you set applications. Don't just say, I want to grow in this way, or I think I need to forgive Bob. That wasn't me, I'm not reading forgiving Bob, or whatever it is. So it's just this name that came to mind, there's nothing, there's no confession happening right now for you. But if the Spirit puts that in your heart, praise God. But make that application specific. Put a specific time on it. Make it measurable. Be specific. I'm, I'm going to forgive Bob. I'm going to do it at this time. Specific, measurable. Make sure it's attainable. It's attainable to forgive. So, so how might you want to do so? You measure it. I'm going to do it by letter. I'm going to write a note to him. Or I'm going to pick up the phone and call him. Make it relevant or realistic to the context. Make it timely. Put a time by which you're going to get the job done. I'm going to do this by Thursday. I'm going to send this letter by Thursday at noon. Specific in your applications. We want to be like the great sharpshooters. Aim small, miss small. Best line from the movie The Patriot. Aim small, miss small. And then finally, close in prayer. Spend time just articulating back to the Lord the things that you learned that captured your heart. Philippians 2.13, it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So ask the Spirit of God to, to will and to work in you through that word this week. And finally on that component, peace, hope, we add an S. Share it. Just as the letters, the two letters that Peter has written and given are meant to be spread and shared and discussed in the congregation and passed around, what we read shouldn't stay with us. We should be able to share it, articulate it. Bring it up in conversations with believers and unbelievers. So, so don't undersell what you spending time in that Word. Don't undersell what you being here this morning, hearing this series through Second Peter, don't undersell what you're communicating of what you heard today and are hearing today, what you can pass on to somebody else in your life this week. You know, we were in church this Sunday and we were going through this text in Second Peter and this component jumped out to me and I had never really thought about it like this before. Have you thought about this? Never underestimate how talking about Scripture can shape your life and other people's lives. And then finally, six, memorize and, and meditate on Scripture. If you're married, look to a, a verse or a passage to begin memorizing together. But as you read through, find something to be able to meditate on, to have it replaying in your mind. So we're at our healthiest when we, A, are actively consuming God's Word, and C, when we're consistently ministering God's Word to one another. We finish off verse 1, In both of these letters, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. By way of reminder. What do we see in this breakdown? Consistently ministering God's Word. Healthy sheep use the energy from God's food to be transformed in their way of thinking, which leads to them to further minister God's Word to others. 
It would be so strange to hear of somebody eating, like these, these bodybuilders or just incredible athletes, these athletes, some that you, you meet at SFA. So many of them are so disciplined in what they eat and put into their bodies. But, but it'd be so strange to hear of somebody that ate like that but had no physical training desire in their life, right? If they were just measuring how much food they were, they were like they were training, but they had, well, what are you training for? Like nothing. Like do you work out? Never. That wouldn't make any sense. So we eat healthy food. We're actively consuming God's Word. We're actively consuming it that the Spirit would work it out of our lives. The good works He's prepared for us to walk in. This is why. So we eat the good Word, actively consuming God's Word, that we could consistently minister God's Word to each other. And the Lord works that in our lives in ways we will never understand. But in God's grace, as we look in the hindsight it's oftentimes seasons when we get to a point of saying, I can't carry this on my own anymore. Somebody help me. And the bride of Christ, another believer, filled with the Spirit, of course, the Word has transformed their hearts and lives to make them an effective tool to minister in that setting. It's a gift that God works in our lives. We can never understand it on the forefront. So Peter is indeed feeding Christ's sheep just as Jesus said he would. And he's feeding us 2,000 years later this meal, even though he didn't know that he would be doing so. That's the kindness of our God. Healthy fuel for hearty work. So beloved, let us ever consistently minister the Word of God to each other. But as a ministering body, what do we do in our lives for each other? The Spirit, as He applies these things to us, He, He stirs us up. Ministering God's Word is like putting a healing ointment on the whole body. Whether it's a, a crusty heel, a dry elbow, or the back of a hand. Ministering God's Word to one another is the, the Spirit leading us to be nurturing ourselves. As we go through different seasons, we grieve, we celebrate, we do ministry together. So minister the God's Word, minister God's Word together. Peter says, stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. The same word, the same idea is this idea of awakening somebody from sleeping. It's used in Mark chapter 4. We're not going to read it, but you can mark down that reference. Mark down Mark chapter 4. It was a pun 100% attended. Mark chapter 4. And in Mark chapter 4, we see the scene where Jesus is on the boat. He's on the boat. It's on the sea. And what's happening? This giant wind has has come about and it's causing the boat to take on water that Jesus is in with his disciples. And Mark gives us this really interesting detail. It says that Jesus is laying in the, he's laying in the stern on the boat. He's just been ministering the word, so he's exhausted and he's laying on a cushion. I love that little detail. He's laying on a cushion. And he's curled up and he is just out. The boat's taking on water. The disciples are panicked. And they wake Jesus up. And Jesus rebukes the storm and the storm stops. But then Jesus ministers the word to his disciples and challenging them in their faith. They awaken Jesus. That's what God's word by the Spirit does to us. His word awakens us to walk by faith. His word awakens us to abide in his way. Because if we don't, we'll tend to, to act by the old flesh. That's the gift that God's Word gives to us. Consistently. Consistent. Looking in verse 2 and 3. 
So we see the idea of we're actively consuming God's Word in our life. We're consistently ministering God's Word to one another. And, and T, we're trusting in God's Word. Verses 2 and 3. Active, consistent, and trusting in God's Word. What's this mean? It means that His Word has been faithfully transmitted and preserved. Easter is not far away. It's not far away. The first Sunday of April is Easter. It's going to be here before we know it. We'll have like four more snowstorms before it. I can't wait. It's going to be incredible. But as Easter approaches, if you're somebody that watches the History History Channel, if you're somebody that watches that, you're going to see these people coming on that are attacking the Scripture. They just recycle them every year. They come out in Time Magazine, you name it. They're going to recycle these these untrustworthy scholars that have presuppositions against the very nature of 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 an eternal God speaking to men. And they have these presuppositions and they will attack the very nature of Scripture as they sit in their little echo chambers. But what we see in how, look at how Peter handles the Word of God. You can trust, regardless of what you're going to hear on those, those shows, you can trust that God's Word has been faithfully given and faithfully then transmitted and faithfully preserved. Peter, in 1 Peter, that little book of 1 Peter we worked through, he quotes from the, the Septuagint more than any other New Testament book. So what is that? The Old Testament written predominantly in Hebrew. The New Testament written predominantly in Greek. So the Septuagint is the Greek working of the Hebrew. Peter quotes from the Septuagint more than any other New Testament writer in 1 Peter. But Peter in doing so, even though he's not citing the autographs, So the original in that way, the the manuscript tradition that it spreads out is faithful and how God has preserved His Word is miraculous and incredible. So trustworthy. But Peter, in citing the Septuagint, in citing these things, he he doesn't give it as though, well, I think maybe we can, maybe. He, He cites it as God's authoritative, good and faithful Word for us. And that's how we can receive God's Word in our life. He says in verse 2, that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through the apostles. The Word of God given through the prophets and the apostles. Forty different authors. Different seasons. Different stages. Different settings. Yet the Holy Spirit of God working and breathing out this Word. It is a trustworthy, authoritative measure for our life. There's some today that try to pit the Bible against itself. As though it's just filled with contradictions. And it's not. The text of Scripture can be harmonized. But some will take the the words of Jesus and they'll say, okay, well, well, these red letters are the inspired ones. You can't really trust the others. And that's foolishness. It discounts the very nature and what the Word of God says that it is. It's it's authoritative because it's God breathed for us. That's exactly how Peter gives it. He, he identifies the writings of the apostles and the prophets. He as an apostle, he says that you should remember the very predictions and commandments of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Christ is giving His commands for the believers, receiving this letter through Peter. Though at this time, Jesus Christ is reigning at the right hand of the Father, interceding for the bride. It's authoritative. It's trustworthy. Trust God's Word. In 1978, Chicago's statement of biblical inerrancy, and our midweek podcast this week, we'll look at this in, in great depth. 
but it's a great summary of affirmations and denial of the very nature of Scripture. But I'll read one for us in, in Article 10. This is a great summary. We affirm that inspiration, strictly speaking, so inspiration that, that the Bible has been uh, spirit-breathed, breathed out by the Spirit of God. We affirm that inspiration, strictly speaking, applies only to the autographic text of Scripture, which in the providence of God can be ascertained from available manuscripts with great accuracy. We further affirm that copies and translations of Scripture are the Word of God to the extent they faithfully represent the original. We deny then, so there's affirmations and denial in each of these 19 articles, but he says we deny that any essential element of the Christian faith is affected by the absence of the autographs, and we further deny that this absence renders the, the assertion of biblical inerrancy invalid or irrelevant. And in Peter's use of the Septuagint, we see this demonstrated for us. What's the big takeaway? If I've just made your eyes glass over, the big takeaway is we can trust God's Word. You can build your marriage upon it. You can build your life upon it. You can place your, your very future in the context of God's Word because it's of God. It's been faithfully preserved for us. And the Spirit who indwells us as believers ministers to us by His Word that we read the Spirit-breathed Word. So, thank You, Lord. Help us to trust in Your Word. And finally, as we look at verse 3, His Word will not return void. We can trust in God's Word and we can know that God's Word will never return void. Meaning that God's expectations, they set our preparations. We're going to look at verse 3 next week in greater detail as we, we pick up through the next several verses looking at the scoffers. But I wanted to include it today so that we have a foretaste of what we're going to look at next week in an incredibly insightful text. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. God's Word sets our expectations. So, beloved, as a churches, as every local church through human history, as well as in the book of Acts, experiences hardship. Should the church be shocked? No. He says, scoffers will come in scoffing. The New American says, mockers will come mocking. It sounds like the 12 days of Christmas, right? Maybe that was 13 they got left off. 13 scoffers scoffing. 14 mockers mocking. This is what they do. Their hearts are against the Lord. And what does he specifically say about their hearts? They're not objective. Our culture likes to present those that are skeptical of the Word of God and of God Himself and of the resurrection of Christ and His, and His ruling and His coming in judgment one day. They're skeptical. They scoff. But why do they scoff? Following their own sinful desires. They're as a deer in heat. A buck in heat. That's how we were before the grace of God broke into our lives. Pursuing our sinfulness. And any answered response would work sufficiently to continue in pursuit of what we desired. But God's grace, His kindness has been lavished upon us. The insights we see in the very Word of God. We're going to pick up there again next week, but noting that God's Word's expectations set our preparations. So what's our expectations? It sets how we prepare. Now in First and Second Peter so far, what are the expectations for the Bride of Christ knowing that scoffers in, chapter, in, in 2 Peter will come in. Knowing that 1 Peter has told us that hardships, sufferings that are necessary, 
will come into our lives and knowing that scoffers will come in among the congregations. What's the expectations? Here's a few of them. Joy. 1 Peter 1.8, rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. The expectation that we are to be prepared for in the face of hardship is not doom and gloom. It's not hunker down and wait till we finally get to go to heaven. It's that we are a people marked by joy in the face of it. What are the expectations? Five times in 1 Peter, he had mentioned hope. That we're to be a people marked with hope. Why? Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. This is why at a funeral you can have, of a believer, you can have true joy and hope. And even at a funeral of one that did not know Christ, knowing that there's others there, that God may use that moment to make them sensitive to the very preaching and teaching of the Word of God, that God may bring somebody at a funeral, the, the, the loss of a, of a friend or a loved one, that God may take somebody who's spiritually dead and bring them to life at that graveside. Or to be a people of hope in a world that celebrates in this way a way of death. Five times, and even in addition to the grace and peace conclusions, five times he references being a people of grace, a people of peace, if at all possible. And then finally, ten times, counting that brotherly affection text at the beginning of chapter 1 of Second Peter, he mentions that the believers are to be a people of love. Ten times in these two little letters. That's who we are. Beloved, because of what our God has done for us. There's no accidents for where we're at. There's no accidents of the seasons that come into our life. But the Lord is worthy of your praise and worthy of your life. He's faithful. He never wastes a hurt. And He deploys us as His hands and feet, proclaiming the good news and hope of Christ to all who believe in the Son. Isn't this good news? God-man Christ response. Let's look at our next steps. Some of those attempts that I've made to, to maybe make it a little bit more specific for us. Some smart goals we have. Which of those six components of actively consuming Scripture, which of those six will you prioritize this week? So if you're to look back at that six, and again, if you already got a consistent rhythm, don't let me ruin it for you today, okay? But if you look at that six and you say, you know what, I want to, tr I want to start trying to hand write out Scripture and thinking about it. If you were to look at one of those six, which one would you want to prioritize this week? Which would be your main one to say, I'm going to do that? And then when are you going to do it? Be specific. When are you going to start that discipline this week? To just consume God's Word, asking the Holy Spirit to transform your life and heart in that way by His Word. Number two, who might God place in your life this week to hear these Scriptures? We talked about the fact that Scripture is given to be spoken and shared. So now that we've heard this Word of God today from the Scriptures, now that we've heard this word, it's kind of exciting to think that God will bring different people into each of our lives this week. And so what, a, what an excitement, what an expectation that we have. God, I don't know who you're, just to talk to God, and this was we sing the song of response a little bit, say, God, I don't know who you're going to bring in my life this week, but I know somebody is going to hear this word. I'm going to share it with them. That's an exciting component. Number three, God's placed somebody in your life that you could read the Bible with. A study was done not long ago, and it was by LifeWays. 79% of unchurched people said, if a friend of mine really values their faith, I don't mind if they tell me about it. Now, that's not very far stretch from saying, hey, would you be interested in reading this book of the Bible with me? And just sitting down and reading God's Word together. What if 
that person in your life that may be far from God, what might happen if they just begin consuming God's Word? How exciting is that? Look what God has done in our lives by transforming our minds more and more over the last year by just actively consuming God's Word. What if? And so pray about possibly somebody that you could ask to just begin reading the Bible with you. Book by book. And then finally, commit today to rest in Christ and live out His commands in the community, in our community, and in the greater community. Our new member class is going to be next week, I hope. It was supposed to be two weeks ago, and then it was supposed to be this today. So I don't, I'm afraid to say it's going to happen next week. But we hope it's going to happen next week. That's a time of intentional commitment that people find out more about Grace's philosophy of ministry and history uh, and commitments together. And they say, hey, we're going to practice these commitments and disciplines with this body that God has brought into our lives for however long we're here. That's a good thing. Uh, baptism. There's going to be a baptism class next week as well. It's going to be taught. And so for you, perhaps your next step is, is following the Lord in, in, in believers' baptism, this beautiful ordinance that God has given. It's going to be a great day. God is faithful, isn't He? There's no other aim. Will you stand with me as we respond in song to our Lord? And we'll be here after the service to pray with you up front if we can.